Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing Five Nights at Freddy's, Freelance, The Marsh King's Daughter, and Next Goal Wins. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer Craig Stanton. How are you? What's going on, Bill? Not too much, AJ. How are you? Hey, before we dig in, I know this is a audio-only production, but can we talk about what you're wearing right this now? This is important. This is important. Sure. I mean, this is going to go into uh, one of the things I wanted to follow up on uh, in the opening segment. Okay. So just can I just can I just set the scene here for listeners? So we got a, we got ourselves. I took a screenshot. We got ourselves a hoodie. We got ourselves a hoodie, a gray, principally gray hoodie. We've got orange on the shoulders, like shoulder pad style, almost like a football jersey. Mm-hmm. Then on the front we have what I can only describe as oh my god, it goes oh it goes longer. Further. Oh my god, you shouldn't have stood up. <laughs> oh my god, that got so much worse. It's like it's a tuxedo like t shirt. It's, like a- it's like a tuxedo t shirt, but on a hoodie. But it's. It's if it's not a tuxedo, it's what is it, Bill? Tell us. What uh, it's the it's the dress uniform <laughs> of General Napoleon Bonaparte. You need to stand Bonaparte. up again. You need to you need to stand up again. The Why? way that that made your hips look is so crazy. Oh my god! That so, is just unreal. I finished my Napoleon audiobook to get ready for the movie coming oh soon, directed my by Ridley Scott. My god. tickets are already purchased. And I was in a Napoleon mood. And of course, the algorithms picked up on this and tried to sell me this sweatshirt. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. This would be kind of funny. So I got a Napoleon hoodie. Unfortunately, it's way too big, even though it's a small. And uh, looks like a Snuggie. It looks yeah, like a Snuggie. It's, it's, a little, it's a little much. You look ridiculous. <laughs> that is an absolutely unhinged article of are you wearing can that we even to call the, it clothing it's more of a costume than it is, it is a, a it's exactly proper, so you know so what you look like you look like a kid in grade school that has like a new fixation who's like oh like i know everything about napoleon and his mom buys him a napoleon yeah. hoodie that's exactly it and you just look insane yeah yeah no that was well the idea was that if it fit better and looked Fine, then maybe I would, wear it, I would wear it to the movie. <laughs> what size but is it that? But it obviously doesn't. It's a small. That's what I'm saying. And I'm drowning in it. Unreal. Oh, my God. You're so, not, yeah. So this isn't going to end up going anywhere, but I want to wear it for your, for you're your not, gentleman to you're see. Not, are you, are you going to wear it to the premiere? You're not going to no, wear it to the premiere. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Oh, no. Please. It lives and dies in the, in the closet. Okay. Yeah, this is an at-home only situation. Again, if it fit better and looked decent, maybe I'd wear it to the movie. It'd be kind of funny, but it doesn't so here i am i want to i want to banish you to saint helena right now <laughs> more than anything <laughs> i thought it was like an esports thing when i first logged on like i thought it was from your favorite esports team it kind of has like a um in, uh, like a uh, star wars rebel f- pilot kind of vibe because yeah, the orange yeah. on the shoulders i was like what are we doing here yeah and then a cumberbat a cumberbund came Cumber- into my face. <laughs> Benedict yeah. cumberbatch. cumberbatch what if is he actually printed on the back of the shirt <laughs> no, there's nothing on the back. It's just black. Holy God. We couldn't even do a double uh-huh. side of print. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, how is everybody? We good? We survived Halloween? Fantastic. Doing great. This is a action-packed episode, so let's just jump right into it. Bill. Oh, we're there. Uh, and Craig, what have we watched in the last two weeks? Uh, I watched a couple things. Speaking of Halloween, on Halloween, I decided to pick a horror movie that I had not seen before and finally give it a watch. 
And so I watched Jennifer's Body, mm. a horror comedy in that case. Cult classic. And yeah, it was one of those movies that a lot of people put it on lists of being like a hidden gem or unfairly appreciated and ahead of its time. And like this is, I've heard some like late love for it. Uh, at the time, it was like mediocrely reviewed. And so Halloween Night gave it a shot and it's fine. Like Megan Fox is really good in it. It's got some interesting. Uh, directorial flair, if you will. The writing by Dia- uh, Diablo Cody. This is her second movie after Juno. Uh, it felt a little forced at times. And yeah, it was all right. I mean, I wouldn't watch it again, but I'm also not mad that I did. So it was fine. Did you try to pick out all the frames where you can see uh, her weird thumb? No, I didn't look for that. Did you know that, Craig? Megan Fox got a weird thumb? Yeah, she no. has like a... She's got like a... Like a bent backwards like a, type of thing? Like a toe thumb? Yeah, she's like a weird. Yeah, she's got like a weird thumb situation going on. Did not know that. All he's right. looking it up right now. Actually, <laughs> I'm sure. Honestly, <laughs> well, he's looking up pictures of uh, uh, her odd thumb. My Halloween mo- uh, movie night was Halloween night movie was uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, I haven't seen it in so good, so long, and I forgot how absolutely batshit crazy that movie is. And I love it every single time. I just love it. I love that movie. Everything about it. It's incredible. I watch that movie. Like I feel like every few months, I'll throw that movie on because it's, it's really? just so good. Yeah, it's just so it's enjoyable. Craig, what'd you find? Uh, yeah, she's got a weird thumb. All right. Yeah. You know. Confirmed. Everyone's got something. Confirmed. Uh, and the only other thing I watched was not another teen movie. So this, you know. <gasps> it took you this long I know, to watch I know. It. So this is one of those movies that came out during the same era as Scary Movie where the rage in Hollywood was to make a genre movie with the whole purpose of lampooning that genre. And this is not another teen movie. So... Uh, so I missed out on it for whatever reason. So I went back. It's pretty goddamn funny. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it is. There are, sure, there are some bits that don't land, like every comedy. And I think the first half is weaker than the second. Like it, at first, it seems like they're throwing everything at the wall just to see what sticks. Once it gets settled into like the rom-com elements, uh, I thought it worked really well. Every scene with Chris Evans is absolutely dynamite. That's kind of why I watched it. Chris Evans was so Gold. hilarious in it. Uh, and there's obviously 20 years later, there's some sensibilities of the culture have changed and a lot of stuff wouldn't fly today. So that was kind of interesting just to see the difference. But yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Glad I watched it. I still quote that movie with some of my friends. I mean, we, I watched the shit out of that movie and I enjoy it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I'm, I'm so glad you were able to watch it and appreciate how uh, hilarious that movie is. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, that was it for me. Uh, Craig. Yeah. Hi. Dun, 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 your boy, dun, 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 your boy watched dun, a movie dun, 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 this week. Dun, dun. I watched Whiplash for the first time in my life. I watched the Woo. movie called Whiplash. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> so I enjoyed it quite a, quite a bit. You know, people might not know this about me, or maybe if they listen to this podcast, they do know this about me. I don't see anything ever. Uh, so there's a big long list of movies I've never seen. You know, it's the list of movies I've never seen is a lot longer than the ones that I have seen. Let me tell you that. And there's a lot of good movies on that list. Sure. So, uh, you know, maybe this is a recurring segment where I, I see something I should have seen ages ago. Maybe it's not because who cares? But uh, I'll say that I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I have no uh, insight to bring to the table as a musician or as a drummer. I've been playing the drums my whole life. I can tell you that uh, the insight 
to say that I have uh, additional insight on this movie as a musician would be like saying I once used a phone booth, therefore I have additional insight on Superman. Uh, like it's, I could never even dream of playing any instrument at the level that is shown in this film. So yeah, cool movie. I liked it. It seemed, it seemed like based on your reaction, it, 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 uh, you were wrapped, you were wrapped up in it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I had like a, I had like an hour and a half long anxiety attack basically. Um, oh yeah. Like yeah. absolutely perfect. Insane. <laughs> I was just so nervous that he was going to fuck up. Like I wasn't the parts where he's getting like yelled at and stuff. I wasn't like, I just kind of knew where those were sort of headed and it's like uncomfortable to watch, but I wasn't like freaking out. But when he's actually performing, even just in the rehearsal room, like doing the, the studio band rehearsals or for that matter on stage, I'm just absolutely dying on the inside. Cause I think he's going to drop a stick or like piss his pants or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so anyways, yeah, yeah. wild. What what gave you what gave you uh, a higher heart rate the car accident getting to the recital or the last scene uh, when he was on stage all bloody after the car accident I was that was peak anxiety that, for me that's because you just wanna, yeah. you just I didn't know I had no idea what was going to happen at that point well, uh, so good so intense uh, I'm so, so happy that's for what you. I did all right love it. Uh, Bill, I had some travel, so I watched a few things besides Cabin in the Woods. I watched both Into and Across the Spider-Verse. Nice. Yeah, they're both on Netflix now, I believe. Yeah, didn't know that. I bought it on <laughs> iTunes like a squid. Um, so now I own them, but hey, James worth will it. be able to watch worth them. It. Yeah. Uh, I actually watched them back to back, which I think was it. That might be a little much. a lot of hours. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a flight to Austin. I, I had to finish across, or it, which, which is the first one? Into, Into his first. Across is longer. Yeah. So across, I got like three quarters of the way through. I had to finish it in the hotel that night when I arrived. Um, I kind of like the first one better than the second one. Interesting. Okay. And maybe it's because there was like some bias there because I I just watched it, but I thought the first one was a little bit more succinct it was on point like the the story moved really well it was like very fluid the second one was just layers and convoluted and rug pulls upon rug pulls upon intertwines and i was just i was probably exhausted at that point because i watched like seven hours of like seizure inducing cross animation (laughs) so i could have been like a little loopy but they were both phenomenal um i know you told me that or you told us that the second movie is actually a part one of a part two. I forgot about that until at the end. I was like, I'm like two hours and 45 minutes left <laughs> right. and there's no conclusion. No end in sight. No end in sight. And I was just like sweating at that point. So um, yeah, they were great. I'm, I'm happy I own them now. Nice. Um, but they were just technical marvels oh, yeah. uh, on how they were done. And that one scene where the a million Spider-Mans are chasing Spider-Man and they all have different animation styles was just... It's a Insane. it's a feast for the uh, senses, which I learned. It took them like two years or two something a crazy amount of time to actually animate that full sequence from start to start to end. I hear they're actually still editing it now and just pushing software updates to the Netflix servers <laughs> periodically. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And that, and now and two, there's an alternate. There's a different ending to part one. Or multiple endings? Because didn't different movie theaters get 
released different endings of that movie. Yeah, I, I forget how different they were, but I, I remember hearing that as well. Now I feel gypped. Hmm. Uh, and my last movie I watched was a rewatch, and it was probably should have been named in our spooky Halloween-y type movies, but I watched uh, Knives Out yeah. again. So good. Another great one. I usually like, I, yeah, I try to leave some space between viewings and then revisit it fresh, and it always delights Every time I watch it is like the first time I'm watching it where I'm just like, damn, this is so good. So yeah, uh, that was that was what I watched. Uh, Bill, let's talk about what's going Call on. Call him Napoleon. Bill, uh, Napoleon, let's go <laughs> to in the news. So a recent Rolling Stone expose said that in 2020, HBO execs created fake Twitter accounts to troll and pester television critics that posted anything remotely negative about their shows. Metadata has confirmed their account, and HBO has not denied these actions. Bill, studios trolling critics critics like this, fair? Question mark? So I have to admit, reading some of the responses in the article made me laugh. And at first I thought it was kind of great. Um, and I kind of get, you know, HBO is going to be defensive of their art. It's And, and it's kind of like, you know, the Anton Ego speech in Ratatouille or the man in the arena speech from Teddy Roosevelt, you know, credit goes to the person making the art, not the critic. And I can see them wanting to fight back and whatever. And, and it was pretty comical in some of them. But my issue really is just how clandestine it is. Like the secret accounts and the snooping around. And, and they also use some intense language in some of them to like really attack the critic personally, which I didn't like. I think for me, if they use the official HBO account and they just happen to be like snarky, like... Some companies have a sense of humor with their social media. The and Wendy's team. Yeah, and, Wendy's does it perfectly. Right, and there's some accountability there, and, they, and if they want to stand by their art and, and whatever, and they want to be snarky with critics, I think they could have done it in a funny way and, and still make some of those points. But the fact that they did it as like an underground operation, it was kind of petty and cowardly. So I, didn't, I, don't, I don't dig on it uh, overall. Bill, have you ever been to the internet? Petty and cowardly is the coin of the realm, <laughs> my friend. I know, yeah. I know. But not for the you're you're making prestige TV. This is like you are at the top of the heap. You're not trying to like claw your way up. Like you are it. So just like what did they write? Like oh, like you smell like poo poo and your writing is pee pee. Like well, how bad? Like how how elementary? Well, that was no, that was the review. Oh yeah. <laughs> Some of them like it, it was. One of them responded to two different critics. Uh, saying something to the effect of like, oh, shocking that these two white guy critics are criticizing a show about women. And like really like going for the jugular on some of that. When, you know, was that the reason for the bad review? Like, I don't know. I didn't read all, I didn't read all the reviews in depth as well. But it feels like they were kind of just like going for flashy and like attention grabbing versus actually defending the art in some way. So some of it went a little too far um, for my taste. Again, especially if you're doing it in a, hidden account way and like using burner accounts. I don't know. I would, if they want to, if they want to defend their, their shows, do so, but don't do it that way. I don't know. I don't, like, I don't, I feel like they don't have to like, or yeah, or don't at all. Like just brush HBO it off and move for, on. For yeah. Christ's sake. Yeah. I mean, they've been producing extraordinary content for 25, 30 years. What are we, what are we doing? I, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was surprising. It was surprising to read for sure that they would care that much. Uh, All right, AJ, I have a news item for you. All right. Uh, In a recent interview, Kingsman director Matthew Vaughn uh, was asked if he would ever make a Star Wars movie. 
Uh, and this was his answer we can listen to now. You mentioned a film that was formative to you early on. Would you ever do Star Wars? Would that be tough to say no to? For me, doing a Star Wars movie is to play with the characters that I loved. So if they said to me, we'll reboot, do you want to reboot Star Wars and actually have Luke Skywalker, Solo and Vader, and you do your version of it, everyone would say you're an idiot to try, but that would excite me. Oh my God. Um, you are you won't have a death wish. That's so that's so scary to even contemplate no, recasting. That's boring. yeah. Why not? Wow. Bond. Do you mind Bond? That's I mean, true. If, that's true. You know, you asked me who's going to play the next Wolverine. That's true. Why are these characters so hallowed that from '77 you can't redo it for a new audience? And that's the story. I mean, Star Wars is the Skywalker family. Yeah. All right, and that's where I think they've gone wrong because they've forgot that it's what you know and 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 they've done brilliantly in the tv but it needs an epic new film and that's what i would do aj do you think the original star wars characters are so sacred they're above rebooting or would you give matthew vaughn a shot at this if you were disney i just have so many mixed feelings about this first of all the response <laughs> age can't knock the guy he's passionate he loves it he's up for the challenge i can't knock a person who wants to create something fresh. Yeah, sure. Asterisk. It's not fresh. Like, we've been slowly killing this franchise and these uh, characters for the last 50 years. I get what he's saying, but the thing that irks me is that he says Star Wars is the Skywalker family. And that is a bold and brazen thing to say because there's yeah there's so much potential in that universe and we've saw it and then he go he he kind of goes back on that by saying how great the tv was or the how, how the tv has been and that's pulling different areas of the lore and the galaxy to find ways to take characters and build them up but also have a connection going back to the core family, so to speak, that he talks about, but we we tried. They tried to do that. the The new trilogy was a technically a reboot. If you look at the characters and archetypes of Ray and Finn and all these people, they pretty much align to some of the core characters from the original movie, and those bombed. Like they did a horrible job on trying to figure out how to retell that story with newer people. I don't see what retelling that story again with the same people is going to do differently. Now, I agree that Star Wars does need some sort of kick-down-the-door epic movie that kind of ignites a flame, you know, to the to the whole franchise, so to speak. But, like, that's, I to be honest with you, that's Dave Filoni's task. That's not anyone else's. That, that man knows more about that universe than probably... George Lucas himself, and if anyone deserves a chance to redo or re, you know, m kick off the cinematic Star Wars universe, it's it's Dave Filoni. Yeah, I mean, I I'm with you. I disagree with Vaughn in that. If I were Disney, I would stick to stuff like Andor. I would not walk. I would run away from the Skywalker name as far as you can. Like I think everyone is over it. They've done everything they can with it. I think if you tried to remake Star Wars A New Hope, that's a fool's errand. Like, that is a near-perfect movie. Every line is iconic. Like, the idea of just trying to, like, retell A New Hope seems pointless to me. Uh, that being said, 
Star Wars is a disaster right now anyway, so they want to try something, fuck it, try it. I'll probably end up going. But I personally would would look at the expanded universe and not anything that has to do with a Skywalker. And also, I do think, yes, we've rebooted Bond and we've rebooted, or we're in the midst of rebooting Wolverine. But those are, you know, Bond's no more than 10 years apart between movies and comics. We've kind of already conditioned audiences to know the comics are going to change regularly. These characters have never been rebooted and it's been 50 plus years. So I think it is a little different to just be like, here's a new Luke and a new Leia. Like, like everyone will be like, like what? Like, we're not conditioned for that. Um, so I don't know that there'd be much value there. I just, I, again, personally, I disagree that it's the Skywalker story. I think you got to get rid of that. Who was that other guy you said? Lou Ferrigno? Uh, Dave Filoni. Lou <laughs> Dave Ferrigno was the wrestler. Who is that person? Dave Filoni, um, he was, <laughs> he started out, I think, as a writer on the Clone Wars animated series, and he's basically became like George Lucas incarnate, where like he, he started directing some of the new shows on Disney, and he just has a really good sensibility of what the universe is and where what it can be. Uh, he always wears like, like a big cowboy hat. You've probably seen pictures of him. Purple pants, green skin. No, uh, human. Um, he he's been doing a lot of work with John Favreau uh, for like the Mandalorian and Ashoka and some of the other stuff too. Um, he's good shit. Gotcha. Heard. But yeah. All right, Bill. This week we will be talking about four films. The first one is Five Night Five Nights at Freddy's. According to IMDb.com, a troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. During his first night on the job, he realizes that the night shift won't be so easy to get through. Pretty soon, he will unveil what actually happened at Freddy's. Bill, should I go see it? No. It's just not very good. Now, to be fair, I have never played these video games that these, this movie is based on. Uh, I'm aware of them. I know my nephew played the heck out of them. Uh, I know people at work who have played them and they like the movie because of that. I watched it as a movie and as a movie, it's not very good. Uh, I will say the theater was full. God bless them. Lots of wow. kids and tweens. Well, they've been listening to our podcast. You've been hyping this movie yeah, since six May. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I've had the tickets for a while. Uh, but no, it's making tons of money. They're going to make a zillion of these movies. There's a lot of lore. Really? Uh, there's a lot of lore that goes into these. And there was one kid whispering to his friend the entire movie. Like, you could tell that this kid could write a dissertation on the lore in this game if if you asked him to. He was, like, explaining everything to his friend. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of people that are really into this. And so, great. It's like the David Filoni of the Fast Freddy's franchise. Yeah, he was in front of me. Uh <laughs> And this was also another quiet movie where you're waiting for jump scares, and all I could hear were the top Billboard hits of Mega Mega Star Taylor Swift emanating from the auditorium. Yeah, Bill, next you got to get over that's, that. Uh, you got to get over that, man. That's it. Keeps happening. It keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but anyway, the movie itself, like you mentioned, uh, our protagonist is a security guard. He's got a haunted past, uh, and he gets a job at this like haunted Chuck E. Cheese. Essentially, is what Freddy Fazbear is. And the animatronic uh, creatures that make up the band uh, kill people. So it's a cool premise. And that's the point of the game is you're, you're a security guard that like, watches over this place when they come alive at night. Uh, but as a movie, uh, it doesn't really work. Um, I will say on a positive note, 
all of the animatronics and the creatures are real. Everything was real. There was no CG. Cool. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, you could see a lot of work went into that. And again, my understanding from people who played the games is they were very, very uh, authentic in terms of the recreation. But otherwise, the movie just didn't do anything for me. The writing is abysmal. The story is dumb. The concept is underutilized. Uh, it just... The lead, whose name I always forget, he's basically like Sam's Club Tom Holland. Um, oh, uh, no, uh, Josh uh, Hutcherson. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he's fine. I mean, everyone's doing their best, but the... Yeah, everyone's doing their best, but the script does them no favors whatsoever. Bill, I mean, like, you, you had a kind of no going into it it was a shitty halloween movie i mean it was co-streaming on peacock while it was in the theaters <laughs> yeah, i mean fair. i don't feel bad for you i didn't i'm not asking for sympathy i go like to these kind of, i mean you're wearing your sad napoleon shirt and you're kind of just look mopey. i go to these i go to these movies so you don't have to that's my lot in life this is the life i live the life i chose put it on a shirt okay uh, any redeeming qualities should it just have been a video game and that's it like the the real sin of this movie is is unfortunately the PG thirteen rating because they have to cater to the, the tween audience, and ultimately the movie I it either needed to be funnier or scarier like it's trapped in this terrible middle ground where it's not like winking or nodding at the absurdity of the premise it's like playing it straight but it's also not scary enough to like make it scary so it just it's stuck in that PG thirteen hell in the middle and so it's it's. To me, it's it's a don't bother. Don't bother. Love that. Uh, next movie is Freelance. Freelance. According to IMDb.com, an ex-Special Forces operative takes a job to provide security for a journalist as she interviews a dictator. But a military coup breaks out in the middle of the interview, and they're forced to escape into the jungle where they must survive. Bill, should I go see it? No. In fact, AJ, I forgot that I even saw this until I saw it on the docket for today's episode because uh, I completely put it out of my mind. Uh, it's an action comedy that is light on both of those elements. Uh, John Cena takes a job to protect the journalist. It's, it's, it's a perfect example of a movie that isn't on the page. Like, it doesn't work. Uh, and it's borderline uncomfortable watching all these gifted people try to force it into working. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just, it, it, it's not there. And it's a capable director. It's the director of Taken. Uh, John Cena, we know, is a gifted action and comedic actor. Alison Brie is fantastic always. Love her. Um, poor Alice Eve, who, by the way, is doing an American accent in this movie very well. She is the real victim here because she has the thankless job of being like the wife he leaves behind when he goes on the mission. Uh, it, it's just, it's just brutally unfunny and it's trying so hard to to work and it, it doesn't it's it's not a good movie will anyone like this movie that that's another question i had i don't understand who this movie is for like it has no audience it's rated r uh which i don't understand why if you wanted to make it like a lighter funnier movie to get a younger crowd in there get teens able to see it then that's one thing or if you're going to make it r make it like a raunchy comedy or do something because again, it's it's another one that's it's R and it, like Freddy's was PG thirteen. It should have been R. This is R. It should have PG thirteen. Like it, it should have done something. Because as it is, it's a disaster. And there's also a lot of weird mixed political messages going into it. 
it again, nothing really works. If I wanted to give it some credit, there's an attack scene with some cool practical effects. You got real cars flipping over. But I don't think I heard a solid laugh in the entire theater for the entire duration. It was just, it's, it's bad. Looking on the IMDb page, I thought it was a, I thought it was a streaming movie. It looks like a streaming low budge. Yeah. That's that's what it felt like. That is what it feels like. But instead it was in a theater. Poor Alison Brie. Uh, even John Cena couldn't. No, I feel like John Cena needs a really good script or a director to bring out his full potential. Yeah, I mean, he is trying to carry this movie on his charisma alone, but I mean, it's it's too much. It's too much for any any one man, even as one as talented as he is. Ugh. Sucks. Yeah, it's tough. All right, well, tough shit. Bill, the next movie is The Marsh King's Daughter, according to imdb.com. A woman seeks revenge against the man who kidnapped her mother. Bill? Yes. We're on to good movies now. This is a yes. This is a great thriller, and it's, it is exactly what you expect it to be, but the execution is so strong that it doesn't matter. Is this Daisy Ridley's first film post- Ray? I was wondering that too. I don't know if it's her first one. I mean, it's certainly, but she does an absolutely flawless American accent, by the way. Uh, But she stars in it and she carries this movie, honestly. Uh, The movie opens with her as a little girl. She's raised in the woods by her parents, but mostly her father. And he teaches her how to hunt and how to trap and how to live on the marsh. Um, then things go sideways. Not everything is as it seems. We time jump ahead, and now we see her trying to adjust to a normal life with a haunted past, and naturally that haunted past comes back. And so her father is played by Ben Mendelsohn, who is always amazing. And he kind of gets to be like the Hannibal Lecter of the movie, where he's like, he's second on the poster, but he's more of like a presence in the movie. He doesn't get a ton of screen time, but what he does get, he crushes, obviously. And the story hits every beat you expect it to. It's not trying to reinvent the wheel. It knows what it is. Uh, but it executes it well. The performances are great. Uh, the music is great. Like, it's setting the moods. A lot of tense scenes and redir- misdirects, like, really well-directed. Uh, it looks great. Uh, it's an hour and 48 minutes. It's tightly edited. She has uh, a husband in the movie, and his character is written as, like, a normal, nice human, which is great. <laughs> a lot of movies like this, they always like mischaracterize, they not mischaracterize, but they always uh, they always write the the spouse in a lot of these movies as being completely over the top or misunderstanding or uh, angry for no reason. Like I don't know. They felt like they wrote this person as like a fleshed out actual character, which I appreciated. So he's a normie and she's going to just start murdering people in a marsh? What? She's not murdering anybody. Oh, it seems like I don't know, haunted past, kidnapped her mother, revenge, couple like yeah. fucking hair runs, get some Achilles cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some, there's some, there's a little stuff like that, but it's not, it's not like full on predator, but it's like, there's some stuff like that. It'd be a lot cooler if it was. Okay. But it's, it's so it's one of those movies where like, it's not, oh my God, all-time classic greatest movie ever, but it's it's bound to mo- a movie that is like a hidden gem that people will stumble upon on Max and then be like, oh, wow, this is really good and tell their friends about. It. Like, it's that type of movie. I'll Love watch it. it in like 2031. <laughs> right. That That's the type of movie, yeah. Any negatives? 
The only knock I have, honestly, was it has an in media res opening. Uh, I know it happens real. It happens really quick, which is why it is even more pointless and frustrating than usual. And Breaking Bad has condemned us to this writing construction for the rest of time. Apparently, um, it's it's just so unnecessary because it basically just acts as a spoiler. Like unless you deploy an opening like that so well that it's not until the moment that it happens that you put the pieces together like and you remember the opening right then like that's rare that is hard to do so instead it just becomes a spoiler and you're just waiting for the inevitable confrontation to happen in the way that you already know it's going to happen at the location you already know it's going to happen like what is the point of knowing that just tell me the story in order you have a good enough story so that was the only thing i bumped on is like that felt like a studio note that was like forced in because you didn't need it but you, you also have a very strong negative reaction towards that as well. I think some of that, a good amount of that might be a personal issue. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, there's going to be rarely like, <laughs> you know, people on the street are like, oh my God, did you, did you, could you get over that in media res opening <laughs> on that film? They're like, no, I don't give, give a shit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. There's some stuff going on inside the Napoleon hoodie. It's not all outside the Napoleon hoodie. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, there's a complex there for sure. <laughs> Bill, the final movie is Next Goal Wins, according to IMDb.com. Uh, the story of the infamous, terrible American Samoa soccer team known for a brutal 2001 FIFA match where they lost 31 to nothing. Bill, should I go see it? Uh, yes. I gave this a yes. It's a, it's a softer yes, but we'll get to that. Uh, but what's interesting about this movie was I saw it as part of the Screen Unseen experience. What's that, a, Bill? So this is a new thing <laughs> that AMC is doing where they tell you the rating of the movie but that's it, and it's a $5 ticket, and it says it's a never-before-seen movie, so it's like an early showing of something, but they don't tell you what it is, and you got to wait until you, it starts, and that's how you find out. Is this, is, this thing available, is this thing available for everybody, or is this like because you're like an A-list, Stubbs, rewards card, premium member uh, thing? If there was exclusivity, I would be very happy, but no, it is. I was going to say, look at that smirk gotcha. on Gen pop face. No, it's for Gen Pop. But it... <laughs> And it was a full theater. Like, I was actually surprised. I didn't know how many people would want to take that gamble, but it was full theater. I think a lot of people think the idea is, is pretty fun. And nobody walked out. And it's cheap, right? It's five bucks. Did you already say that? Five bucks, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, there hasn't been a five dollar... Here, let's look hey, What is this, up. the past? Five dollar movies? No, they do five dollar Tuesdays all yeah, the time. On a Tuesday. Last time. Well, this was a Monday. The tickets were five dollars. While you look that up, the point is... It's so this movie is comes out in two weeks, so it's basically a two week early preview, which is awesome. Uh, you know, they do give you the rating and the runtime. So if you know the rating and the runtime, and you know what's coming out in the next couple weeks, like I probably could have sleuthed out what it was, but I wanted I wanted to be surprised, so I went in, and then it was kind of cool because I was like, as the movie started, it says Fox Searchlight, and I'm like trying to figure out, I'm listening for cues, I'm trying to figure out as fast as I can, how quickly can I figure out what this movie is. Um, so it was a fun, it was a fun experience. The only weird part about it to me is that they didn't announce it right from the jump. Like there wasn't like a, a slide on the screen that said like, welcome to an early screening of X or the director didn't like come on the screen and say, thank you for coming to whatever. You didn't know until it literally started. So you sat through 23 minutes of trailers, not knowing if it was a movie you might walk out of. So that was like, 
a little frustrating. Like I would have liked just to, when I got to my seat, pop up and say it. But that being said, cool idea. I'll definitely do it again. And they did a, they did a smart move. It's a crowd-pleasing, feel-good sports movie. Like that's a good pick if you're trying to do this particular experiment. Uh, and the crowd was into it. So that was cool. It worked out. 1999. Uh, the average ticket price in 1999 was $5.08. Are you, and 1999, arguably the best uh, year in film history. But that's, that's a discussion for another podcast. Sure. Okay. Uh, our boy Taika Waititi ha- has had a few stumbles uh, last few years. How, uh, how's he doing with this new film? Uh, so this was pretty good. I'm gonna. Uh, there's two parts to that question. I mean, as far as this movie goes, you know, it's like I mentioned, sports movie. It's got very cool runnings vibes to it. Michael Fassbender plays a soccer coach that goes to American Samoa to help them try to qualify for the World Cup, even though they are constantly the bottom standings in the world. And in their entire country's history of international play, they had never scored a goal to that point, let alone won a game. So he comes in and the goal is like, or what they want to do is just get a goal. Like that's their main achievement they're trying to get to. Additionally, why does Fassbender look like Raul Silva (laughs) from Skyfall? Uh, He does shave. If you're looking at a shot with the beard, he shaves it, but uh, no, he's got like a pale complexion and then bleached hair. He's well, he's based on, this is all based on true story. So he has to look like the guy. So they make him look like the guy. It's a little weird, Uh, but the movie's, the movie's good. It's entertaining. The nice thing about it is it's, it doesn't have, it's not like a white savior type situation. Like he helps them obviously, but really they help him. You know what I mean? They avoid that cliche. They hit the usual notes for sports movies. He's got the haunted past. He doesn't want to be there at first. They don't trust him. A lot of fish out of water comedy. Lots of montages. Dramatized big match. It plays all the hits. Um, but it does it well. And Fastbender gets to show a little range. And uh, it's good. It's good. But I will say your question directed by Taika Waititi, it has his sensibility to a fault. Like, there are some comedy beats that are not funny as he thinks they are, and sometimes even awkward. And if you are sick of his shtick, which I would not blame you, this movie may not work as well for you. Like, I bumped on that a little bit. And it it might be the only time I've ever said this. I wish the movie was longer. Like, I needed another 10 or 15 minutes to let it breathe and add some more human moments because... A lot of the changes in the characters happen because this is the part of the movie where they're supposed to happen. Like as an audience, you're conditioned to watch sports movies. And you're like, oh, this is the scene where he realizes he went too far with them. And this is the scene where he builds a bond with that player that he was the toughest on. And so it felt like there was checkboxing versus letting those characters actually play that out and feel more real. So again, it's, it's, it's executed well enough that it's fine. Uh, but I think if they did another pass or two on the script, they could have made it. They could have made it an all timer, and instead, it's just like a fine sports flick. It's odd because I I saw you clearly see more films than we do, but I saw no marketing for this movie until like last week. Same here. No idea it existed. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's an indie. It's a smaller movie for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, like I said, it comes out in two weeks, so maybe they'll ramp up a little bit when they get closer. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's good. It's 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 a yes. I enjoyed it. I it was it just like the creator, uh, which we talked about a week or two ago. It's a yes, but it's also frustrating knowing how good it could have been with a few adjustments. But it's still good. It's a perfect plane movie. I'll tell you that. Uh, 
if you need something to fly with, with, I mean, it'd be great for that. Bill, I probably know the answer to this question, but how does it stack up to other memorable sports films? Uh, it would, I would say it, it falls slightly short of, of, of the other ones. I think it's, it's basically taking a cool, true story and then Disney-fying it. Like, that's kind of what this felt like. Um, so again, it felt like a little bit like Cool Runnings, but, not, but even not as strong as, as that. So I would say it's, it's, it's mid, mid-tier. Mid-tier plane moving. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, on to our last segment, Netflix and Bill. We're a lot, we're, there's a lot of shit we're watching. Uh, Bill? Uh, floor is open to you. I think you have a lot of um, emotions about the first thing on the list. Yeah, give me a little runway on this one. I got to talk about Loki because Bruh. Uh, it is infuriating. It's so fucking um, bad. <laughs> it's so bad. So first of all, season one of Loki, I enjoyed. I will say I enjoyed it immensely. But this season two uh, is bad because it is poorly written and poorly plotted. And it is basically gibberish. Like nobody, even when I, I read recaps of these episodes, I still don't know what's going on. Like this movie, or excuse me, show has some of the worst conveyance uh, of anything I've ever seen. I, you have no idea what's going on at any moment. Nobody in plain English could explain what's happening in this show. And I'm not saying that they need to stop what they're doing and, and exposition everything. But even if the words are gibberish because they're using techno jargon or whatever, the emotion of the scenes should still be able to convey basic plot, uh, even if you don't know the exact specifications of what they're talking about. This show can't even do that. In, in any given scene in this show, I have no idea what the characters want. I have no idea what the stakes are. I have no idea what the obstacles are. It is just scene to scene of nonsense. <laughs> and it is so frustrating. Uh, and, I just, I, and I'm going to finish it because there's only one episode left. Uh, and at first I was letting it coast on Hiddleston and Wilson and that worked for an episode or two, but now that we're at the end of the season, it's maddening. And I like, I, I don't enjoy watching it. I texted you in all caps and I said, Loki is so fucking bad. And you went on a mini diatribe and this is what I think. And I think you kind of agree with me. Lightning, uh, season one was lightning in a bottle, right? It was so good. Sure. I think they should have just kept it at a at at season one. It introduced Majors as Kang the Conqueror, and then in this last phase of Marvel, brought back Owen Wilson and Loki in like an extended cameo or an extended role into one of the movies in the in the next saga. And I feel like that would have been a perfect way to wrap it up and bring those good those characters back. Um, because this season, man, they're trying to do. I, I don't know what they're actually, I don't know what they're trying to do, but it is God awful. And, and it's not, they've done one season show. Like Moon Knight was only one season. It was 10 episodes, crushed it. Hawkeye, 10 episodes, got through, crushed it. It, 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 it begins and ends with that one season and they could have done exactly that. And it would have been so much better for everyone involved. I mean, this is fucking garbage, straight garbage. Yeah, they're just running around. It's a laser light show. They were trying to, quote unquote, fix the timeline. It's like, what does that mean? What does that mean for our characters? What does that mean for the greater Marvel Universe? Like, it, they don't, it, it's, 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 like I said, it's maddening. I can't, I can't stand it. He can't stand it, folks. I can't stand it. Uh, so when I'm not watching that angrily, 
Uh, but I'm not I hate watching that show. He's wearing his Napoleon sweater, and I will. I will invade Marvel Studios. I instead am watching uh, the Gilded Age season two. Mm. HBO drama. I really enjoy it. Period piece. I really wish that somebody else in this world watched it that I could talk to about it because it's one. Of, it's like a water cooler show where it's a nice drama and like a character at the end of this last episode came back from the first season. I was like, oh shit, it's her, and I have no one to talk to about it. Meaning, it would be a good water cooler show if there was anybody at the water cooler talking about the show. <laughs> With me, yes, please join me. <laughs> the metaphorical water cooler for Gilded Age. <laughs> Um, and then the other show that just began its second season is Invincible, the animated show on Amazon. Um, and I watched the first episode of that. that do, they're doing a weekly release on that one. And it's good. I mean, it's been a while since season one, but it's still very, very good. It's an animated, it's a superhero thing, which you would think we'd be sick of by now. But it's really well done. It's, made, it's extremely violent, made for adults. It's great. I enjoy it. And the only other thing I've been watching slash playing is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. If you, if you pre-order the game, you get access to the video game campaign. And I know <laughs> this is Christ. not a gaming Look podcast. face. <laughs> <laughs> All the joy just left me. Look, look, it's not a gaming podcast, but I had... Yeah, you got about 20 seconds on the clock here. That's all I need. I needed to be able to come on here and tell you it is the worst campaign in the history of Call of Duty. It's, it's, it's abysmal. It's... Like four hours long, half the missions are open world missions, which defeat the entire purpose of the Call of Duty campaign, which is supposed to be a tight, cinematic, linear campaign. So why are they half the missions open-ended? It's dumb. It's terrible. I hate it. AJ, what have you been watching? <laughs> um, Can I jump in and rescue this podcast real quick? Yeah. I should have brought this up in the, in the follow-up section, but we've, uh, the other thing that I've been watching this week... I finished House of Usher. Oh shit! These are my confessions. And I have. What did you think? I have one quick thing to say about it. <laughs> yes, it was very good. We enjoyed it a lot. I will say, and you guys are gonna like this because I think you were right when you recommended. Although I was not able to take your recommendation for various reasons that aren't important. Uh, binge it. This show should be binged. I think we did not binge it, and. Uh, I think the show was we enjoyed it less as a result. Yeah. Like rip, 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 rip. Because you'll find out quickly that a character dies every episode, and it's doing that once a week, it just kind of is like, oh, like who are we killing this week? Oh, someone else loses their mind. Woohoo! But like, if it was like, bang, this guy, bang, that chick, bang, this person, bang, this person, <laughs> like I would have been like, whoa! So I <laughs> yeah. think actually, to your guys's credit. <laughs> Although I think your recommendation to binge it was out of just a general horniness, not not like a strategic <laughs> approach to the consumption of this program. But I will say that you ended up being right. Broken clock. Uh, watch yeah. the show. Watch it fast. Thank you. Is my is my yeah, recommendation? How many, how many episodes? It was eight. It was eight. Yeah, eight. Yep. I think I did four and four. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Way to synthesize that, Craig. I feel like. Been thinking about it for like a whole week. Yeah, this isn't this isn't our best app. Way to, way to save that one, bud. Just had to do a quick palate cleanser to get the video game talk out of our system. I'm having a great time. The only thing that I've... This week is the final episode of this season of The Morning Show. Hooray! And it's just... It's just... John Hamm? John Hamm's good? Like, drink bleach. You, you might... It's just... 
Wow, that bad. I thought you were excited about this season. It's finally getting to a point where it's like three seasons worth of shit is like starting to actually like come down on a whole bunch of people, which makes it enjoyable. But it took three full seasons, all of which are centered around COVID for me to just be like, just fucking end it. Like, just I don't want to watch this anymore. But my wife loves Jennifer Aniston. She loves the show. We watch it every week. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. Whatever. But it's one of the problems with this show is they really dig in deep on a particular news thing that is really important. Twenty four months ago, at the time, but like, yeah, like it just—it's never gonna last. Like, I think the beginning of season two, it's all about the California wildfires and stuff, and like, yeah, that's a huge deal when it's a huge deal. But at the time when that show was out, it's like. You know, you open the metaphorical newspaper and it's like, ground war in Europe. Russia invades Ukraine. And you turn on the morning show and it's like Reese Witherspoon crying in a hotel room because there's like smoke all over the place. And it's like, what are we doing here? It's just, it's it's going to be behind behind the times all the time. I mean, they're in the throes of uh, January 6th right now. And it's like, this is, we're hitting the two year mark. That's wild to think about. But yeah, like, right. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So, anyways, um, what's on the docket? That's all I got. Bill, Bill, what are you gonna watch? Uh, so, as of this recording tomorrow, I'm gonna watch the Marvels new MCU movie. We'll see how that works out. And Alexander Payne's movie, The Holdovers, Paul Giamatti got a double feature booked for tomorrow. And then I also have a ticket for a couple of movies coming back into theaters for anniversaries. I'm seeing Scarface for its 40th anniversary, first time. Checking that out in theater, which will be cool. Grew up watching that movie a bunch, so I'm excited for that. And uh, I'm also going to see Saving Private Ryan in theaters for an anniversary of some kind, 20th 20th or 25th, whatever it is. All right. So excited to see that in theaters as well. So a couple of revisits coming up. Wow. I thought I was going to go with you to the Paul G. Money film, but I guess not. Okay, boys. uh, Yeah, I don't know when that happened. Hey, hold on to your proverbial butts. Uh, Next episode... We get a little, uh, we get a little uh, sneak peek at our little uh, activity for Christmas. So I got something prepared for you guys and for our audience. Ooh. So uh, get your yeah. remotes ready, your Hallmark Channel app fired up, because baby, it's oh, baby, God. it's cold outside. Thank you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. Please make sure to tell your friends to follow on Instagram at Should I Go See It. <laughs>